This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. You're, 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 tuned, you're tuned into It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. The top podcast covering the defending AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals. Hosted by Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata at Odyssey Sports Podcast. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Lindsey Patterson, Mike Santagata. Mike, what is up? Oh, man. It's, uh, I guess, behind the scenes. It's, it's uh, 10 a.m. on a Monday, Martin Luther <laughs> King Day. We're both off, but we didn't want to record uh, last night because you went to the game. I want to know how that was. I assume insane. 100%. It's one of those things where I, I was telling you, and just pretty much I, you know, all day long on Sunday, I'm like, it doesn't really feel like a playoff game. It just feels like an extended week of regular season right now. Then you get in there and you're like, okay. This is the real deal. It's playoffs. This is going to be a battle. It's not going to be easy. You see a lot of the close games from Wild Card Weekend and just a crazy turn of events. I'm going to start with Sam Hubbard. We'll get to everything that kind of happened in this game. Playoff Hubbard. Play- no. I love last it. year. Yeah, last year. Well, I don't think people realize that, to me at least, he kind of like mini leveled up from the regular season to the playoffs last year. And he's kind of hit that consistently this year. I don't know if he can do it again, because I think he's playing at that playoff level from last year, but yeah, I know we talked a lot about Bates because he was incredible defensive player, the year level player during that playoff run last year, but Sam Hubbard went, went to like a pro bowl level. And uh, then he played near that level this season. And uh, yeah, he maybe leveled up again because he was awesome. <laughs> If you're like me when you watch the defense and they're in the red zone, I always think something crazy is about to happen no. because it, it does every time. They always find a way. I always think it's a touchdown. Like every, every time the ball is snapped. I know the Bengals have a good red zone defense, but I, I'm just like, all right, they're going to score here. <laughs> so I'm more excited. Like they don't score. It's like, yeah, all right, do it two, three more times, depending on if they go for a fourth. Well, it's kind of crazy because, I mean, I know it was only a few weeks ago, about a month ago, was the Patriots game. And I thought for sure this game is over. Um, you know, a lot of people were talking, do you let them score at this point because you want time to respond? And they they found a way to pull, you know, get the turnover. But what's so insane about it, you, you go to that moment, it's 17-all, and I think, oh, my goodness, the offense can't, can't move the ball. The Bengals' offense can't really move the ball. Are they going to be able to put up some points? Uh, to take the lead? Are they going to be able to score another touchdown? And then you see Huntley just jump up and then oh great my the Drew Brees, but from two yards out instead of one. Yes. And, and Logan Wilson just punching it out. It almost just felt like they, they had planned a basketball move, punched out Sam Hubbard's right there, and he just runs. Sam Hubbard, uh, not the only thing I've been able to compare that to is basketball. It, it was yeah. so much like 
I, it's not a chase down block, but you know, it, it's like, uh, it's it's like you know, Dikembe Mutombo at the at the rim just swatting it off the backboard, or that, what I said was the LeBron James block on Andre Iguodala in the finals, just like huge moments blocks that go to a teammate is just it was insane, and, and I think you know, there's definitely a little bit of luck there that yeah. that ball went right to Sam Hubbard and nobody knew, but I. I thought the play call was fine. Apparently they said he was supposed to stay low, which is, that's fine. I don't know. Maybe they're just covering themselves and throwing him under the bus. Mm -hmm. I have no idea why anyone would try to go over the top from two yards out. I mean, that's just too far. That's, and he's not like a six foot eight guy with long arms that could just do that. He's, I think he's like six one. So it was, that was a crazy decision, but wow what hand-eye coordination from logan wilson like i i can't like yeah like i, I think i have good hand-eye coordination i don't think if a ball was going in front of me for a millisecond i'd be able to hit it right out of his hands like that is so crazy to me um just so so much credit to him and then of course to sam hubbard when do you think he ran out of juice i think it was around the 50 yard line 100 but what my thing <laughs> it's like the, the adrenaline took him to the 50 and then you can see him go oh my god 50 more yards <laughs> he's going as hard as he can but you just see his little, he's moving a little slower well it was crazy because it legit happened right in front of me in the end zone in front of me oh like, wow and I thought for a second, I'm like, there's no way. There's no way he's going to keep running. He keeps running. He keeps running. He keeps running. And then I had to go back home and watch the highlight of it because it's totally different when you hear Mike Tirico calling it. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. What a call. What a call. Amazing. Oh, my God. I was, I mean, I, I, I barely heard it when it first happened because I was screaming. I was laughing, too. I'm going to be honest with you. That might be the funniest way to lose a football game I have ever seen that you fumble the quarterback sneak and it gets returned for a touchdown 14 point swing 46 percent win probability added on that play and they went from a 41 percent chance to win to an 87 percent chance to win so yeah Mike Tirico hats off and good job Chris not chiming in just nope. like let him play let him do the call which was so over the top and awesome <laughs> and then uh you know, let the crowd noise hit. And then the you saw the, I assume you saw, I don't know if it, they showed it on the big screen, the Sam Hubbard flexing with the oxygen mask on. So I didn't see that until after the game, until I saw all the images. Okay. It, it may have been on the video board. I just didn't see it at that moment because I think I was in disbelief that that just happened. Uh, but yeah, the oxygen mask, I think so many Bengals fans are going to be using that for a lot of the games that we watch and we have to, you know, it's, another it's already reason. A meme. It's already a meme. I had a friend send it to me and said, when I make it up, when I go <laughs> three flights up the stairs to my apartment, instead of using the elevator. <laughs> no, seriously, I, I absolutely love it. And the thing about it is it, it's not only Lou, it's not only his defense, it's the Cincinnati kid at home. And yeah. he and he makes the play. But my favorite thing about the highlight, because I, I feel like I've watched it five times this morning, and you have to turn the volume up when you watch it, is Sam looks back just a little at times, and he's looking again, and I'm like, Whoa. He said he was watching the video board. Oh. Yeah. So, like, he might have looked back a little bit, but he said he knew where Andrews was because he was watching the video board. And I guess he was screaming back, not looking. He was screaming back, somebody block Andrews. He's catching up. Stop it! See, I missed I missed all of that uh, that that reaction to it, but I, I love that he was at the podium last night and just just how crazy that goes. And 
I don't know if you're like me and you think of the the down years when they were not even down years when they were in the postseason from 2011 to 2015 everything that could go wrong went wrong and it mm-hmm. and you look at the run last year late in the game it was always a defensive play you look at this game it's a defensive play and it's just things going in the Bengals direction that didn't always go their way and I think that's what's really been fun to see a little bit of comparison to what we saw last year's run yeah, I mean, I'm permanently scarred from 2005 to 2015 because even before this game, and especially during this game, I went, oh, no. <laughs> but before the game, I was like, why am I so nervous about playing this team? And then we see why. But, you know, instead of just having the confidence of like, God, oh, Joe will get us out of this. I don't know. I watched Palmer lose to Mark Sanchez. I'm just like the inferior quarterback can win. You know, <laughs> if they put up a great defensive performance, they they can win. And they, they got close, but uh, pulled Bengals pulled it out in the end. But the, I'm sure we'll get to a lot of yeah. reasons behind this. But yeah, hats off Sam Hubbard. What a, what a, that that's that's. Do you think that'll be the best play this postseason for the Bengals? I don't know how you top it unless know, right? unless bigger moment. I think is the only way you could top it. Like like if you get another interception to end overtime against the chiefs or something like that would probably be a bigger moment, but I don't know about better play. Like the, that's probably going to be the best play of this playoff run. I mean, and it happened at the time it happened. If, if it would happen, obviously it would have been pumped if it happened in the first or second quarter. Oh yeah. Fourth quarter tied game on the yard line. Yeah. The go ahead score. I mean, or the, the to, to take the lead and that was going to be the last time the Bengals scored in the fourth quarter or any team scored is absolutely unbelievable. I'm going to stay with the defense before we get to the tail of first and second halves. You play, you put a play up of, of Jesse Bates. People need to remember Jesse Bates is a really good player. And, and you look at other players out there on the defensive side of the ball. I know the Ravens put up 17 points, but what did you think of the defense as a whole? Honestly, I thought the first half was pretty bad. Um, and we're going to get to this, but they made a switch. The Bengals made a switch at, at halftime. Uh, they tried to both play a 4-3 base and a 5-2 and a 5-2 base during the first half. And they're getting run on because it looked to me like the Ravens were checking to zone runs against the four, three, and then a, uh, and then power and counter and gap runs against the five, two, which those are just rock versus paper type things. It's like, that's, that's going to be good versus this front. That's why they're running so well, other than their offensive line played really well too. Like you still have to block it up. Um, and then the Bengals made a switch where they just, they played way more nickel. Like Mike Hilton didn't play much that first half. And what it reminded me of is, and I hope you've seen Remember the Titans where uh, the coach calls in Petey Jones <laughs> to replace Ryan Gosling. I was like, that's, that's what Mike Hilton kind of did. They like, they like pulled the linebacker off the field. They're like, all right, get out there, you know, <laughs> go Mike, we need you. <laughs> he goes out there and I don't know if people know the impact. He had the second play in the, in the second half tackle for a loss. They blitzed him. He had a sack in the fourth quarter. And then he was the one that broke up the pass to end the game. And of course, Prochet had his chance at it, but uh, yeah, he he was one to get his hand on that ball and break it up. Like I, I I feel like the impact Mike Hilton made can't be understated because the Ravens went from scoring on two of their three drives, ten points on three drives, to seven points on six drives. They had six chances in that second half, one touchdown. And I know they were very close ones, but 
it doesn't count. <laughs> and I just think that defense in general in the second half just stepped up because the offense kind of carried them in the first half. But when Jonah Williams went down, the, the offense both got conservative and it also got worse because the offense scored nine points, should have been 10 points in the first half on three drives. So like they should have also been fine. But yeah, then we're gonna have to talk at length about it. I don't think the offensive line played well in general. And then I think they played really bad after Jonah went out. Yeah, that is something that I'm concerned with. We'll, we'll go to offensive line and in the next segment, get kind of more in depth to what happened in the game on both sides of the ball. But O-line is you go, you, you have Akeem Adeniji out there. You have Max Sharping out there. That was going to be enough of, of your, your backups playing. And this was Adeniji's worst game too this season. You see Jackson Carmen go in, you lose Jonah Williams and you're at a point now where Ted Karras and Cordell Volson are the two left standing what is this team going to do with the offensive line? Honestly, it's about – it's. I think it's worse than it was in last year's playoffs if Jonah can't play. I, I uh, What I would do is uh, – was Prince active in this game? Did they just go with Carmen anyway, or is Prince – is he on the practice squad? I, I'm not 100% sure where he is right now. Yeah, practice squad. I don't think he was – Okay, um... he wasn't called up. Mm-hmm. My move is I'm bringing up Prince, putting him at right tackle, Adenji to left tackle. I'm not starting Carmen at left tackle. I don't think Never. he played well there. I think that was an emergency type thing, and I'm not sure why. Why is Deontay Smith, Jackson, Carmen, and Trey Hill activated when Isaiah Prince isn't? But maybe they didn't want to make the call up or whatever. We were talking about Prince like he could start over Adenji at right tackle when Collins went down. If Williams can't play next week, I mean that's that's the move. I don't think Carmen at left tackle is the move, but. We'll see what they do. The evidence in front of us is saying it's going to be Carmen, right? I just, I'm talking myself into, maybe it's Cope, maybe it's Hope, but uh, I'm talking myself into it. I think it's going to be Prince at right tackle, Denji left tackle, because even though Prince wasn't good during that playoff run, he feels like a real tackle. Like Mm -hmm. he's a backup level tackle, but he feels like a tackle. Like he's not... Carmen over there felt like we, oh, I don't know, we got to go to the emergency. We got to guard a tackle because... We didn't have a real tackle ready to go, or they don't like Smith enough to trust him in that spot. So frightening. And if the if the Bengals lose with – I mean, it really feels like if the Bengals lose, it'll probably be because there is now a very glaring weakness on the team. You got to hope that the defense can play really well, and you're probably looking for a similar run to last year. I mean, I've heard some people complain about the O-line depth. You don't normally have to withstand three injuries to the same position group like this and two to the same position, left or right tackle. Like you have a swing tackle and you have a guy on the inside that can play. Like they already had those guys in there and they were fine. Now you have another injury to the same unit. That's That could be brutal. I mean, think about with the cornerback room. Awuzie is hurt, so they're playing shorthanded, but – Imagine also Cam Taylor Brick gets hurt and then also Mike Hilton gets hurt. Now your corners are, you know, like Alan George, Trey Flowers and Jalen Davis. Like, yeah, you can't withstand three injuries there, even if it's a good group. Even the wide receivers, if all three of their starting wide receivers went out, Trent Taylor, Trent Irwin and Stanley Morgan would not be a good group. No. It's it's just when you take that many injuries to the same group, it's just brutal. Like you, you can withstand three injuries. You should be able to stand with three injuries. If this was you know, Mixon, Collins, and Boyd, they feel I'd feel fine. 
but because it's all to the same group, the same, the offensive line, it scares me because you don't plan, you don't have 10 starting level offensive linemen. You have seven, like seven's usually what you go for. You usually have try to have a good swing tackle and a guy on the inside that can play guard or center. They already had those guys going. So we'll see how it goes. I, I hope, I hope they play well. I'm rooting for this. <laughs> I'm not rooting against it. I just, I think some people thought Carmen played well and we'll see. I, I don't want to give a, a declarative. He was bad until I watch it over again, but I think there's quite a bit of um, mental gymnastics going on with, uh, I think that sack was just on him. I don't think P Ryan screwed yes. up. I think Carmen just got beat on an inside out swipe move and stopped his feet, which is what he always does. He, he does that like that stunt, like out of, Oh, Jackson, Carmen, let a guy go around him. Like, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Always, always. But I actually, I do have a few more offensive line questions I want to get to in our next segment on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. Wanted to continue this offensive line conversation because what's crazy about it they made it all the way to the Patriots game with the same offensive line unit. Then the injuries started happening. You lose Lyle Collins. You think, okay, Hakeem Adeniji is going to step up. Then you lose Alex Kappa in the regular season finale. No timetable for his return. Again, it doesn't look likely that he's going to be back for the playoffs. But, hey, I'd love to be wrong about that. Jonah Williams takes a hit last night. And one of the things that I felt – a little confident going into this playoff game was, hey, this offensive line is still better better than what they had last year in the playoffs. Now you lose Jonah Williams, and it's going to be it's going to be hard. It's going to be really difficult with this unit of as we already talked about when it comes to backups and the offensive line. Some people will say, oh, go sign Andrew Whitworth. That's not happening. It is not happening. Or go sign this guy. It's hard to get a guy off the street and plug him in and be like. Here we go in the playoffs and that, that chemistry communication, that's going to take some time. And, and it's the playoffs. It's the biggest stage and moment and you have to get this offensive line to work. So I agree with you when it comes to maybe the musical chairs of what we see with this offensive line as Isaiah Prince is out there, Hakeem Adeniji, and this is just who you have Max Sharpin at guard, Cordell Volson, and then obviously Ted Karras at center. But do you feel like, they pretty much in the second half, they went conservative because of the offensive line issues. Yeah, I think they got to a lot more quick game. They they didn't have the ability. The first half, to me, it felt like the way they wanted to attack this Ravens defense. And it was one of the ways I thought about the Ravens love to play top down. They love to be over top of everything. So they're going to sell out to stop the deep ball. That's why you're not seeing a bunch of bombs down the field. You had the one throw to T. Higgins. That was about it. And he didn't come down with it after uh, hands to the face uh, that wasn't called uh, but anyway they like to play top down they like to be over the top of these stuff they like to uh, force you to check everything underneath well the way they like to 
attack that was they ran curl routes and they ran outbreakers and they ran uh, one comeback off of play action. That That's great. You're running away from them. Like you're coming up, you're pushing them so that they back up even more. Then you're breaking back to the ball. Joe Burrow is very anticipatory and throws that ball perfectly on time. But those are like five-step drops and the comeback is like a seven-step drop. You don't, I don't think they trusted their offensive line to protect that in the second half. So those curl routes and those comebacks and stuff, they turned into hitch routes and they were running hitches, sticks, things like that in the first half, but it felt more like off of RPOs. And this one felt more like, all right, we got slant, hitch and go. (laughs) That's about it because we can't do more than a three-step drop. And they were able to get to one at least five step drop because that Hayden Hurst pass over the middle for the near touchdown. But um, yeah, that it really felt off like passing game wise, they knew this was going to be an issue and they tried to work around it. And maybe that's why people think Carmen played all right because they ran a bunch of three step drops and your pressure rate's going to be down and all this other stuff. But the ball was coming out in under two and a half seconds. I believe it was. I think Jeff Schwartz tweeted it and I hope I'm not misquoting him, but I think it was like 11 of the 15 passes in the second half or two and a half seconds or less. That's, that's all quick game. And the Ravens were cheating it. That's why Marcus Williams made that big play on Jamar chase on the slant is he doesn't care about anything going deep. It's like, you guys can't protect that long. So I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, I'm not going to say what I, I've heard coaches say for that, but uh, you know, like, I'm going to come down and I'm going to, I'm going to steal this slant. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go lay a hit if he catches this, like a big hit over the middle of the field, even though this should work on a chalkboard when the safety is just sitting at eight yards and screaming downhill. That's not, it's not going to work. So if the Bills try to do that same game plan, what's the response? Can you get to something? Can you get to something down the field? Because you're going to have to push teams vertically down the field. And last postseason, they're able to do it with a bunch of go balls and just, you know, throwing it up to Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and letting them make a play. Maybe that's what you get to. You, but yeah, I, I was not happy with the offense in the second half after I thought they played pretty well in the first half. Like I, I, the reason they didn't score a lot in the first half is they had three drives. That's, that's the reason they didn't score much. Like the Ravens, the Ravens did a great job in the first half of running the ball and shortening the game because that's how they're going to win the game. You less drives, more variance. So they're the worst team. They're going to create more variance. And the offense was looking fine with Jonah. Like they were getting to a lot of this stuff. That's why it's it's frustrating for me. And then second half hits and Burrow's got to go. It's hit my back foot and that ball is either out or I'm going to have to make a move because somebody's going to be in my lap. Yeah, it really felt like they could have just put the game away if one of the drives in the fourth quarter would have been a field goal. Like I would have been like yeah. game over. That's all you needed, even if there's and nine they- minutes left on the clock. And they wanted to run the ball, but the offensive line wasn't helping them there either. And I, I think people are going to yell about Mixon. Mixon was above, what, he was above three and a half yards of carry, I believe. P. Ryan was under two yards of carry. The run, the run game actually worked okay as a whole, though, because you look at success rate, which is, I don't remember the exact calculation. It's like if you can gain 50% of the yards on first down or whatever, basically you're putting yourself in a good position. You're not, you're not getting to second and eight. You're not getting to uh, third and five. You're getting to like third and twos and second and fours. So the run game, it was 80% of the runs were successes. And that was mainly led by Joe Mixon. Um, P Ryan had one successful run out of his two runs and Burrow was successful on his run, which was obviously the quarterback sneak. So 
when I look at that, I'm like, maybe they should have, maybe they could have found a way to stick with it a little bit better. I know they wanted to throw the ball and attack this, the Ravens through the air, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I had a lot of, a lot of thoughts about all this. I was not, I, this, the offensive performance in the second half doesn't beat the bills is all I'm thinking. And yeah. maybe it does because, you know, Lou does something crazy, forces three turnovers. The bills only score 17 points. But when I watched it, I was like, this, this won't fly against Buffalo. Yeah, and that's one of the concerning things because we talked about it before this playoff game is do you think the offense or defense is going to come up big during this run? And it's it's kind of the defense again. Yes, I know 17 points for the Ravens offense, but they still made a huge play. To- 17 points isn't much, guys. Yeah, that's 17. It's not. It's not. And, and in the red zone? And in the red zone, I mean, I, I you know, I felt, I felt pretty confident in them. At the same time, it just – it's this if Hayden Hurst doesn't fumble like it, it's probably even less points yeah but that's what's that's what's frustrating is because this offense besides the offensive line that is a still a huge concern it has the talent it has the guys healthy right now and they just can't get anything going and that is a concern and that is exactly my mindset in the second half was how do you beat the Bills? How do you beat Kansas City if you are playing Kansas City, if you make it to the AFC Championship game? I do not want this to be negative because they won a, a game, a playoff game. It's survive and advance. When you play a divisional opponent in the playoffs, it's going to be hard. That's three times that they've seen you this season. And you could say the same thing about the Bills and the Dolphins. Keep that same energy for, for Skylar Thompson and, and what the Dolphins were Better quarterback in the Ravens game. They, they, they had a better quarterback than Skylar. Not to say Skylar was terrible, yeah. but Hunley, I thought, actually played pretty good. He did. Other, other than um, the, yeah. If so, you exclude the quarterback uh, <laughs> throwing the ball, Huntley yeah. outperformed my expectations. Although some of that was just Eli Apple. Just what a time to do it. <laughs> it wasn't Maybe. even sold well. I was like, oh, a sluggo. Okay, well, that makes sense. He took one step. You know, usually you have to sell that with like a hard step, a look back, and then go. All he did was just a little shake and Eli jumped I was like you don't even have help over the top what is this oh man Eli, Eli Apple saw the crowd screaming his name with an interception well the Eli Apple haters loved everything about that but I I agree I mean I was like no not that one not that one wide open uh but I agree Tyler Huntley played okay I don't I don't you know think he had a bad game or anything like that the the thing is just very questionable is how you felt at halftime. They're down nine ten. Of course, they missed the extra point that after was the right touchdown. when Joe Nugget hurt. So that's going to factor into how I felt. Yeah. How, how did you feel? Because we talked about the tale of two halves, but at halftime at that moment, what was your what 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 did you think the outcome was going to be? Oh, I still thought the Bengals were going to win, but I was not confident in that. Like, if you just ask me who's going to win, I go, I, I still think since he wins. But then I kept seeing the tweets, Jackson Carbon's coming in. And I was like, oh no, this is this is the recipe for the loss, though. I mean, they shortened the game, they got a fumble recovery that they scored on. They there's a fluky injury. Like, this is exactly what the Ravens want. This is how they win that game. But I did think the Bengals are gonna win. I I just my confidence in that was like a three <laughs> out of ten. It's for me personally, it's always Lou. It's Lou at halftime. It was the momentum shift for me. Like, I still thought the Ravens were fine and had a good chance to win up until that quarterback sneak. When that happened, and then the next drive was the Mike Hilton sack, and then three and out. Like, that's that's where I was like, okay. I mean, the momentum is just completely on the Bengals' defense side. The offense still couldn't move the ball. 
but the momentum for the defense was it was there it was, it was like this ravens offense isn't doing anything and it, yeah oh, man. that's the thing they had they had chances to, on offense to really put them away in the fourth quarter because the defense they was just yeah. they were vibing off of that play from sam hubbard and they were just making stops and it was ravens like, offense went from moving the ball to uh three and outs repeatedly yeah, and and that was the defense that I just it just it's unbelievable, honestly, what they can do at halftime when they come back out there. I'm like, they're just going to figure out a way to to stop this team, and if they if they if they have to create a turnover to win the game, they're going to do it, and they do it again with the Sam Hubbard play that a lot of people are going to watch over and over again. I still think it needs a nickname, but we don't know what that nickname is uh, for that 98 yard run. I, Drew Crispin, I want to talk about him for a second. Okay, up and two, down. Two two flops too. And he he award winning <laughs> award winning. You're taught you're taught to do that. It, it wasn't just him. Like, I loved I remember, it. I, I remember. Loved it. I remember when. Uh, yeah, I remember our punter was uh, high school football. Our punter was also our starting linebacker, <laughs> so he didn't want to flop. He didn't want to go down. He just wanted to boot the ball, and people would hit him, and he'd still stand there. And the coach is just like, "Go down!" Like. Mm -hmm. It's also to protect yourself because you're, you've got your plant leg, you got your other leg. You don't want people running into that and causing a real injury. So when he sees the guy coming right at him and it looks like he's going to run into his plant leg, he's kind of taught to, okay, I'm going to just hit the ground. The second one was definitely a flop. Didn't even get touched, but it, it, he is taught to do it. The first one by the books, it's, it's light, but you can't fall into the plant leg that's that's how you get these punter injuries and the nfl protects these guys probably more than like anybody else even kickers kickers quarterbacks whatever they're protected but the punter i think is the most protected with that plant leg oh i think he did a great job on both of them and i thought he was going to get another flag on the second one i was like oh man he might get another one because he did it he did it perfectly uh but but kind of uh going back to the offense right now how do you think joe burrow did it was like a B. It's hard. I thought he was good in the first half, missed a couple throws to Hurst, but I thought overall it was a good half. And then the second half hit, and there was like, I felt bad for him. I was like, there's nothing he can do here. Like the Bengals are clearly just calling everything quick game because they don't trust this offensive line. The run game is starting to stall out a little bit. I don't know. I, I thought he, he got let down too. I mean, the chase catch would have had to be incredible but it was a really good throw because he had to get it over top of the second level there and just, just misses it. Um, you had, you just had a few plays like that. And I don't know. I thought he played all right. I I gave like a B, maybe a B minus if I'm being tough. I don't think it was a C type game and it wasn't bad. It was, it was enough to win. He protected the ball. He was accurate. He moved the ball down the field uh, in the first half and, that second half was just is not the offense you want to see. Yeah, no, I agree with that, and and that I think you could chalk that up to being your your face in this team for the third time, and it's it's hard, man. It's hard. I know both teams were were facing that same battle, but it's never going to be easy when you are going against a defensive coordinator that has already seen you a couple times this season, and they're a divisional opponent. So I think the offensive line is something that you know we're definitely going to keep an eye on in this matchup versus the Buffalo Bills. But, you know, you hope to get out of this game and we'll hear more when they get back to practice on Wednesday, injury free besides Jonah Williams. And maybe there's some optimism reports where he was on a crutch in the locker room and maybe one crutch is better than two. Uh, not crutch or scooter? What do you think is uh, better? 
see, we had this discussion last week. I know, week. and I don't remember what we said. <laughs> it ended badly because Alex Cap is still out. So I'm going to say one crunch. One crunch is better because Alex Cap is still out. Okay. One crunch. And I do want to say that I think he had a knee brace on. But hey, look, after a game, you probably don't want to put weight on your leg and you wait for the x rays and you hope for the best. Uh, but right now, it really sounds like they are going to be without Lyle. Not we, we obviously know Lyle Collins. Yeah, they will be without Lyle Collins. <laughs> Akeem, you're going to have Alex Kappa. You're not going to have Jonah Williams. So it's it's um it's 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 a little scary. I'm not going to lie. I, I don't want that deja vu to what what Joe had to deal with in the playoffs last year. But right now, they might have to battle with what they what they've seen before. On paper, it does look like it might be a similar situation. Just, just don't make it, don't make it a second in the, in the Super Bowl where you have just needed <laughs> one second to, to win the game. And they were an offensive lineman away. I say they were Riley Reef away from a Super Bowl. <laughs> just a left guard though. They were Joe Tooney away. I know. I just use it. I just use it. Cause I'm like maybe one healthy, extra healthy offensive line, but Hey, we're going to get to optimism next on. It's always game day in Cincinnati. is It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati with Lindsey Patterson and Mike Santagata. We are back on It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati. It is the morning after a playoff win. You know expectations are high when you get four playoff wins and counting, hopefully, two full regular seasons with Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor. And it's like, that was a good win. Survive in advance. Moving on. Like, a year ago, we're, we're freaking out because they got their first playoff win in 31 years. Now it's like, okay, this is the norm. And it was kind of like what Joe Burrow said after that wildcard game last year. Like, this is what we're going to do in January. We're going to win these games. And you're right back there. Um, I, I One of the things that I feel like I was seeing a lot on social media, and I, I kind of want to compare it to the Bills and Dolphins. Talked about it earlier with Skylar Thompson. And these games and the playoffs. You could even go to the Jags and the Chargers game, which was unbelievable uh, for the comeback for Jacksonville. And I, and I actually love that for Trevor Lawrence because just after a brutal first quarter to come back and find a way to win that game, it's tough, man. The playoffs are tough. And, you know, you think you have a great game plan and this team only has nine wins or this team has 10 wins and your one has 13 or 14 and you're going to be able to, hey, I'm going to go in. We're going to be able to battle this team, going to get an easy. It's not that way. And we saw it last year in the playoffs. It's it's just going to be a battle the whole way, even when you face Buffalo this weekend. And, and what would the AFC championship game if the Bengals do advance who they play? But it. I, I just I think a lot of people there was some mixed reaction to the Bengals game last night and it was almost like well that team's not good enough to advance next week or they really struggled versus people were saying people are saying the same thing about the Bills as they were in their game too just to let you know I mean yeah it's but I mean it's just like people have to remember that it's it's tough. It's tough yeah. in the playoffs. It's not like, oh, this is going to be a no problem. It's going to be super easy. You're going to be able to win this game, no problem at all. I just, I think that mindset has to change that it's, it's, it's going to be a battle every week. Yeah. I mean, this is, uh, this is playoff football. You think back, uh, the Bengals didn't look like a Super Bowl team when they beat the Raiders. It was a close game. And then, it's actually a similar story. The Bengals are four-point underdogs going to Buffalo in the divisional round. The Bengals were, I believe, five-point underdogs 
going into Tennessee for the divisional round. They were unfavored in that game. I know people kind of like throw that away like, a, oh, they beat the Titans. It's not a real win. It's like, yeah, it was. It was the number one seed. They went to the number one seed and won the game. They shut down the run game. They did an awesome job. So can you can you make that run again? Because it's probably going to look similar on paper. You are now down the offensive line. You're no longer the Ferrari offense that you probably want to be. We'll see if they can get some of that. I think these players are the one thing of optimism. Joe Burrow is a better quarterback now than he was 12 months ago. Jamar Chase, I think, is a better player now than he was last year. T. Higgins also, I think, a better player now than he was last year. You also have a Trent Irwin now. And, uh, you know, how much does that factor in? So there are guys on this offense that are just better from progressing in their careers, being young and developing. But you do see some situations that are similar and they, I think they have to find a little bit of that run game, which they had a little bit in the playoffs, especially I remember in the Super Bowl. I, I was a little bit, I was like, I know you have Joe Burrow, but this run game is actually kind of working. We should keep, keep running, running the ball here. Uh, but you know, Coaches are coaches. <laughs> uh, it was funny because, oh man, I don't want to think too much about the Super Bowl, but I thought the Bengals got away from the run game when it was good and the Rams wouldn't leave their run game when it was terrible. So it was interesting that, you know, they, they're kind of doing the opposite thing there. But anyway, um, yeah, the, it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be tough. This defense can step up. They need a better two-half performance they need to play the full game but they could step up like i i don't think this defense is just going to get slaughtered by the bills that they've shown before that they can do the unthinkable to these really good offenses and with the bills i think it's a lot of forcing turnovers like the the dolphins were able to do not all those are just on allen but you know that the Bills offense a little prone to turning the ball over. So you are now a little bit of the underdog, I think, with the offensive line injuries. Can you force some turnovers? Can you score on your possessions, make the most of everything, and come out on top? Because I think they can. I, I, I don't – I'm not going back on my Super Bowl prediction just yet. Bengals-Eagles still alive. But it's going to be a tougher road than I anticipated. Yeah, I think looking at the playoff picture as a whole, it's it's honestly Mike Hilton even said it. He's like, you know, it's one week at a time. And that's yeah. really how you have to look at the AFC picture. We don't know what's going to happen with Kansas City and the Jags. Look, anything is possible. This Jags team um, has a lot of doubters going in like, oh, you know, can they beat the Chargers or, or they're going to beat the Chargers and then they struggle in the first quarter and they find a way to win the game. Look, they're going to go as the underdogs into Kansas City. And that's going to be a fun battle. I'm, I'm honestly looking forward to that game. I'm hoping it's a game. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good game. I think we both agreed when we, we picked the Jags. We said Jags are probably losing to Kansas City, but I think they beat the Chargers. If the Chargers win, they have a better shot against Kansas City. Not say Jags don't have a shot. I mean, this is this is uh, the the student has returned to the master uh, Doug Peterson Andy Reid matchup here. So maybe Doug's got something up his sleeve to take down Big Red. They've I don't they've had to have faced because Doug was the coach in Philly for so long. But they don't they haven't played often. I don't think they've played. If I looked it up, I, I would put the over under at like two and a half games. I, I think it, I it's probably less. So. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't think they've played often. I think Doug can pull something out. Um, change the topic a little bit. Were you surprised at all that this wasn't a primetime game, Bengals-Bills? 
I was. Really? It, I think they have a they have the cult they have the the Nance crew coming. So I still think it's a pretty big Well, I mean, this is the only AFC it's the only CBS game, I believe. The other yeah. one's on um NBC. So they get Tariko Collinsworth. Um the Bengals get Romo Nance, and then there's two Fox games for whatever reason. Maybe to change it up since they were just I don't know. I agree with you. It's a primetime game. It's this should biggest I, mean, of the I, I don't understand how other than the size of the fan base how is philly and the giants a primetime game because i think that game's gonna end up like 37 to 20 or something and oh, yeah. that, i don't that's not a very realistic score but you know like something like that like the the philly wins by multiple scores it's the only game i feel that comfortable predicting right now even the chiefs jags i think could come down to the wire could you here I'm just we're we're allowed to play the scenario game because the games haven't happened yet. And I just said you take it one game at a time. But I'm just I like to look at big picture. Could you imagine if the Bengals they're able to beat the Bills, which is going to be a tough task on the road. Everyone thinks this Bills team's gonna go to the AFC championship game, they're gonna go to the Super Bowl, they're gonna win the Super Bowl, and the Bengals go in there. And if they're able to win. And just some crazy way, the Jags beat Kansas City, and that game is coming right back to Cincinnati for an AFC Championship game. Could you could you imagine? And no neutral field is involved because no team is there. Like that would be insane. I could imagine. You could imagine. imagine. You don't see it happening. Five <laughs> percent chance that <laughs> it's higher than that, but. 10 15 like it's not high like I, I don't think the Jags win even if they keep it close like I think it's gonna be a good game but I don't think the Jags win that game and then I think the Bengals bills is a true 50 50 toss a toss a coin <laughs> flip the coin I kind of feel like going into this game and and this might be a terrible comparison because there was a lot of reaction when they played Tennessee last year and Tennessee had the number one seed but I kind of have the same feeling I have going into this divisional game as I did last year. I didn't know what would happen. I don't know if I felt 100%, even though I picked the Bengals to win that week, if they were going to be able to pull it off because it was going to be tough. Uh, going into this game, I agree it's a 50-50 shot. At the same time, I don't know how I'm going to feel on game day to be like confident, like they're going to be able to win this game or they're going to win this game. And I just, it, it just has so, it has so, the, the vibes are so similar. They played on the same date last year on the 15th. They'll play the divisional game on the same day on the 22nd this weekend. And it just, it, if they find a way, if they can force the turnovers not to get too into the Bills-Bengals matchup, that it could be right back to where, where it was last year, AFC Championship game at Arrowhead. And it's just so wild to think about how this, how this playoff picture really looks for, for the Bengals right now. Yeah, it's it's similar. It's very similar. The, I think this Bills team is better than that Titans team, but this Bengals team as a whole is probably better than that Bengals team. Even with the offensive line, I still think it's a better team. Um, but it's going to be tough. It's Can't look too far ahead. Uh, it is, I don't know. Uh, I had more confidence heading into the wild card game that they could take down the Bills than I do at this moment. But it you can't doubt the you can't doubt a team with Joe Burrow at quarterback and Lou Anarumo scheming up a defense. That's if there's anything we've learned. Um you need guys to play a little bit better, but I don't I don't think it's impossible. I think it's a true 50-50 type game here. 
Um, and honestly, I'm hoping less chippy. <laughs> like it's kind of fun with the AFC North being, you know, I called it on Twitter um, a street fight in a Walmart parking lot. Yeah. All these divisional games. Uh, yeah, it, you know, this <laughs> the fumble recovery was somebody hitting somebody with a shopping cart. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> but the, this game I think should be less chippy. It, like the Bills' defense is good but they're not i haven't seen them be as talk heavy or laying huge hits all the time do you still feel that the ravens defense would be the best defense the Bengals would face yes uh i thought they played well too mm -hmm. I, I do think the Bengals are moving the ball it man the first half kind of went off Bengals offense versus Ravens defense, how I thought it might go, where they're able to move the ball, they're able to score touchdowns, but they'd also get stopped once in a while because it's a really good defense. And then Williams goes down and it turned into this Bengals offense can't move the ball and, you know, a win for the Ravens defense. Yeah, I think overall it's it, it was about a, the thing about the Marcus Peters stuff was absolutely wild. I can't believe the stuff that he was getting away with out there. And I almost felt like they were letting him play just a little bit. And I agree with you, the chippy part. It just feels like it's going to be that way with the division. I feel like the Ravens. Marcus Peters threw a punch. He threw a punch. I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe that that got so glossed over. And he somebody mad is like, you don't punch. He threw an elbow. It's like, who cares? He tried to hit him after the play in the stomach with either a fist or an elbow. That's wholly illegal i mean that should have been he should have been kicked out that's oh, yeah so over the top like the ravens to go we're not dirty all week and then for like the first quarter you have your cornerback laying uh <laughs> given the old people's elbow <laughs> in the open like that and only getting a 15 yard flag which they definitely thought that flag was on mixon for retaliating because Roquan's clapping in somebody's face and Peter's is like yelling about it. And then it goes against the Ravens. And I was like, it's so stupid. I mean, the official went up to him and just like calmly talked to him. And I'm like, you can't punch people in a game. Like this was just, it was wild, but it almost feels like the Bengals and the Ravens rivalry is just, I mean, it just feels there. There are two teams that it's don't like off. this year. Definitely. I think this was, you know, this was always, um there was you know like uh a, how do you make the volcano i'm already forgetting i'm forgetting how to make the, whole, <laughs> the baking soda volcano it was like the baking soda was in there and you're about to pour in the, <laughs> make the volcano like the baking soda was the ravens were dominating the Bengals in burrow's rookie year and then the Bengals really took it to them in that next year you know two huge blowouts and now this is the eruption from that of the Bengals are mad about that first year and they're mad about how chippy the Ravens are, but the Ravens are so chippy because the Bengals really, really <laughs> stunted on them in that in Burrow's second year last year. So that I think this is now the blow up. I just hope it never reaches like mid 2010s Bengals Steelers level. I would really like this to just be a fun rivalry and not a rivalry that every game I'm going in going like, I hope we escape with just one injury. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, you hear these players talking this week, and, and I don't even think the Bengals did anything bad when it comes to talking. I think it was more of how they felt the game went last week. And then Roquan Smith after the game is like, you know, the better team didn't win this I mean, game. of course. And yeah, I'm like, that sounds like loser talk. <laughs> it is, but it is. It, 
I get it. I mean, he's just, he's mad. Yeah. <laughs> he's upset. And the, their defense played really well. It, I mean, honestly, it did. And that was one of my biggest concerns going into the game. I said it that morning. I said, this game, you're playing a divisional opponent. Their defense is tough. This won't be an easy game. And we saw that. And I'm glad to just say, okay, go ahead and send the Ravens home. I don't want to see their defense until next year, the two times you have to play them. And uh, that's about it. So I, I agree with you. I thought the Ravens defense played a really good game. And, and that was something that we we thought going into this game. But the, the Bengals are they're off today. They get back to practice on Wednesday. You hope to get good injury news. Again, sometimes we don't know if who got banged up in the game, if everyone, how, how they're feeling, hopefully a Jonah Williams update, because as of now, the reports were he was on the one crutch in the locker room. Uh, they have a big week. It's going to be exciting. I can't wait to talk Bengals and Bills part two-ish uh, rematch game in the playoff divisional round. And I think it's going to, it's going to be a great one. I do want to say Bengals have a good record with Tony Romo calling the game. So I need the slander to be at minimum because I take wins and records every day of the week if it's a good broadcast crew, if the broadcast crew has a good record. Bills fans did tell me that Tony Romo, they have a good record with Tony Romo too. So it's a battle of Tony talking about Josh Allen and Joe Burrow and a good, I'm just hoping for a good game. Yeah, me too. I mean, I'm hoping the Bengals don't go down early because I think this is why fans hate Tony Romo so much because the Bengals offense plays poorly and the other team does well. And then Tony's going like, oh, wow, this team's doing well. And they get mad about that. And then the Bengals make the comeback and he's nice about it then, but they've already made up their mind because he's either said something that's like, oh, he missed that one or this offense isn't playing very well type thing. So it's like they're already upset about it. But if the Bengals office just comes out and does really well in that first half, then, you know, he's going to be very glowing about it. He's an announcer, man. He's got to talk about both teams. I have one question for you. And, again, I'm not trying to get too much into Bengals bills because we have two more episodes before that game. But if you're the Bengals, do you take the ball first if you can? I I would never. I, I think the, no, I think there's such an advantage to getting the ball at halftime. Like that's that's how I feel. I, I I don't agree with them doing it in general unless it's like they're playing the Panthers or something. I love it. I love it. I don't know why. I absolutely love it. I'm like, let's go get on offense first. And I agree with you. Definitely advantage in the second half. But I wonder what they'll do because they're not good at coin flips. So <laughs> yeah, that was the real issue with the coin flip decision with the Ravens. If they were going to call the wrong one, we know it. I know, exactly. <laughs> they can't get the right call of that to start the game. Zach Taylor said that. I don't even know if he said it in anger because I know he was really frustrated with the situation, but I don't know if he said it in anger or just in general, like like jokingly, but he was just like, we're bad at coin flips. And he didn't want to do it. So I'm just glad that, that it didn't come down to that. But no, I'm pumped. I'm pumped. It's going to be a fun week. The playoffs continue. The Bengals season continues. That is 13 wins on the season. Yes, I count playoff and regular season wins combined. They're not 1-0 and start none of that. They're, they have 13 wins. and, and 13 and 4. So they finally played 17 games. Yeah, and you know what? I thought about that with Kansas City. Obviously, getting a first-round buy in the playoffs is an advantage. Having the number one seed home field advantage, shish, maybe they play in a neutral field, hopefully not. But at the same time, the Bills and the Bengals, they didn't have to play. Well, I know they played nine minutes of a game, but they did have one less game. So it's almost like Kansas City, Bills, and, and Bengals are even with the amount of games right now. Yeah. That's how I see it. That's how I see it. It's going to be fun. I can't wait. What's going to be up on all Bengals? I already have a takeaways article up, so read about uh, all the five things that I found. Well, four things in this game that I found really important, and then a, a slight look at the Bills type, you know, similar to what we talked about today. Just like this is kind of similar to last year with the Bills being favored by four points. 
Yeah, make sure you follow along. Um, all Bengals, Twitter, you can follow him, Bengals underscore Sands. I'm sure he's going to have a great breakdown of the game this week. All the fun clips. Follow on Twitter. You can follow me at LNDS Patterson. Thank you for listening to It's Always Game Day in Cincinnati.